Some of us don't know how to control our thinking. We have for so long allowed our minds to wander all over the neighborhood, push, poking their noses into any kind of garbage can that might be open, that we don't know how to put the leash on those minds anymore and discipline them. Discipline is a word we hardly hear in, on any level. But the mind must be disciplined if we want the rest of us to follow its discipline. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4.8 where he's telling us how we can overcome worry that we must think or focus our thinking on these things. Then he lays out some categories for thought that are acceptable and pleasing to God. And there are very few of us who do not have problems keeping our mind thinking only in those categories that are listed in Philippians 4.8. That's because we haven't really been all that much concerned about our minds. When was the last time that you tried to discipline your thinking? To discipline your thought life? To get it under control? Philippians 4.8 is God's leash law on your mind. He says to you, take the leash. Snap it on the collar of your mind. And say, come on now, mind. Come on. Come on. All right. Now, mind. Heal. Heal, mind. That's it. Heal. Come on. Over here. All right. Now, that's the way, mind. Learn how to walk with me. All right. Now, sit. Sit, mind. Sit. Sit. That's better. Have you ever really worked on your mind? As much as you've worked with your dog? Seriously. Seriously. There are people in this room who have spent more time disciplining a horse or a dog than they have their mind. What's more important than your mind? So I'm calling you tonight to think about your thinking. To think about the inner you. To think about your attitude, your beliefs, your dispositions, your mind. Over in the book of Ephesians, we have an interesting statement about the mind. I want to open that passage up, if I can, for you tonight. It's right in the middle, the fourth chapter of Ephesians, right in the middle of those put-off, put-on statements that we were talking about when we were discussing the body. It's interesting how Paul talks about the programming of the body, but also always mentions the mind along with it because he's concerned about the whole person, the whole being, the whole man. And here he's saying, in verse 22, you were taught regarding your previous habit patterns to put off the old person that you were, 
who is corrupted by deceitful desires. That's the body. The body has these feelings, these lusts, these desires, which deceive us because we think that they're going to be marvelous when we indulge in them and they only get us into trouble. And then in verse 24 he says, And to put on the new person that you are, who is created in God's likeness with true righteousness and holiness. But in between the two is verse 23. Being renewed in the spirit of your mind. What an interesting phrase that is. The spirit of your mind. Spirit here almost certainly means attitude. Being renewed in the attitude of your mind. The kind of attitude with which you approach life, with which you approach people, with which you view the world. The kind of attitude and mindset that you have when you enter into anything in life or evaluate anything in life. It needs renewal, he said. But the most interesting part about this is that it's a different word for renewal than the word that's used in Romans 12. Here the word for renewal means not simply to make new again in the sense that something is changed again but it is a word that can be exactly translated into English this way be rejuvenated in the attitude of your mind rejuvenated made youthful again in the attitude of your mind there is a sermon right in that word. A sermon we could preach for weeks if we wanted to open up every aspect of what he means by being rejuvenated, made young again in our attitudes, in our thought life, in the way that we look at the world around us. How easy it is to grow old and cynical before very long. Teenage suicides are up. Teens who are already dissatisfied with this world and see no reason for going on. Teens who are disgusted and who drop out. Teens who already have become weasoned and soured in their teens. And there are Christians like that too. Maybe they're not teens. Maybe they've been around a long while. And they've been hurt. And they've been sinned against. And they've had problems. This world is, is not a world without risks. It's a world in which we get cuts as little children. And in which little children cut our hearts wide open. It's a hard world, a world of sin. It's a world in which it isn't very hard 
to become cynical about. Even though the greatest joys we have always have a taint to them, always have some kind of a, a stain of sin and its consequences on them. Something, it seems, just when everything is going great, always comes in to cause a heartache or a sorrow or a problem. So it's easy to become cynical about this world. It's easy to give up on it, to say, ah, oh, what's the use anyway? Let the world go blow itself, the kingdom come. I'm just putting in time. I'm just sitting in my own backyard, hoeing my garden until the Lord comes or I go. Pretty easy to give up, to quit, to see no real purpose in throwing yourself into anything. Well, this says, if your mind has become like that, you need to have your mind rejuvenated. You need to have a youthful spirit once again. Can you imagine what Adam's spirit, Adam's attitude of mind must have been like before the fall? Can you picture that creation fresh from the hands of God without a single stain, without a single sin, without a single thorn to mar anything? And here is Adam with all of God's creation as wide as all outdoors before him. And God says, go to it, Adam. Subdue it. Bring it under your control for my glory and my honor. And Adam looks at it with a mind that has no wrong thoughts, no errors. It still has a lot to learn, but nothing to mar it and nothing around him to make him cynical. He has a youthful attitude toward the world. He looks at it with joy and anticipation. He says, let me at it. He can't wait to get his hands on it. He can't wait to explore it, to look into all of its possibilities, all of its potential, all the ways that he can honor God in this world. What a wonderful attitude he must have had in his mind. Then came sin, Xing all that, marring all that with its pollution and all of its dulling effects and all the cynicism that follows. Listen, there's good news tonight. If you're willing, if you're willing to have it, you can lose that cynicism. You can be renewed, changed as Romans 12 says, but specifically changed in your spirit and attitude of mind so that you will think like a young child who comes upon the world fresh without cynicism yet affecting him. You can be renewed so as to be rejuvenated. The scriptures are a fountain of youth for the mind. 